Hey, this is Helen Dawson, and you're listening to the Innovation Crowd podcast. Businesses are looking to reinvent themselves, be more digital, more sustainable, and thrive in a volatile world. Yet most corporate innovation programs don't deliver. In fact, many don't even survive after their second birthday. On this show, I sit down with the experts to discuss the strategies that work, so you don't have to learn the hard way. So come and join me in the innovation crowd. Hello, and welcome back to the innovation crowd. I'm Helen Dawson, and today I'm welcoming Liz O'Neill to the podcast. Not only is she a tech leader and not-for-profit, but she's also a leadership coach working with CTOs. So she should be able to give us a good overview of of some of the challenges of innovation. So Liz, why don't you introduce yourself? Thanks, Helen. So, yep, I'm Liz. I've worked in technology for 25 years. Um, So I've done pretty much pretty much every job you can think of in tech with the with the exception of infrastructure probably so I've been a developer I've been a tester been an analyst been an agile coach been a scrum master been a project manager been head of development um so pretty much wide experience across across the board but my my passion is actually people um and every single tech problem you ever encounter is actually not a tech problem is a people problem um so I have Spent probably the last five years particularly um, focused on coaching and developing technical leaders and how do we balance off the drive for technology and innovation against the balance of people and creating high-performing teams. So, yeah, I have quite a diverse um, career, lots of stuff I get involved with. So, yeah, love it. Brilliant. So having been in tech your whole career, why do you think companies find innovation hard? Oh, there's loads and loads of reasons. Um, so first of all, they um, they start to think that it's always a tech problem and, and it's not. Innovation is actually more a people and culture problem than it is a technology problem. So that's probably the big thing I see quite a lot. Um, fear is probably the other thing, fear of failure, fear of change, fear of standing out, fear of being different, um, fear of cannibalizing existing products, you know, sets, fear of losing different um, other cash cows. So, so there's a lot in there around, around that. And I, I would probably say the third one is finding the right people um, and giving them enough time to innovate. Uh, we think innovation is going to happen like that. Like you think that pulling all these random people together and they're going to build a team like that. So the right people and giving them enough time to to create the right structure and culture is probably the other thing. And one of the things that I hear a lot is there's a shortage of talent in tech. So how do you think leaders should be spotting and developing the existing team members that work for them it's really interesting isn't it so across the board at the moment if you work in tech um, recruitment is the biggest challenge there is such a shortfall for uh, for a number of reasons um 
And the challenge with that is not just being able to hire the person, but also the time it takes to integrate them into the team. So when you think of your internal team, you've got to look at how you do succession planning and how you do talent management much, much better than most technology teams do, but also how you give opportunities. Um, I talk to a lot of people um, and they use contractors quite a lot, but they put contractors on on good, exciting projects because you know they they tend to be insular and you don't need to know some of the um some of the existing tech stack and then they leave the existing people on the low value BAU stuff and I think we've got to change that dynamic a little bit we've got to change the dynamic about how we invest in the development of people not just on technical skills but on soft skills and find opportunities and give them opportunities um, I love the idea of pairing um, quite senior people with quite junior people because both sides learn. And in most cases, the senior person learns more than the junior person, just from a how do you think about this in a, in a slightly different way. Um, and with all the challenges we have in tech and, and in innovation, we get focused on delivery and time and shortcut, short timelines and actually to invest in our people, we've got to think more of the medium and long term and how do you identify this talent and how do you find their strengths and then how do you nurture and develop that in an incubator style by giving them opportunities. Sending people on courses is fine, but if they haven't got the opportunity to use that skill, then that's where the problem arises. And what skills do you think tech leaders are missing in terms of nurturing the people that work for them understanding that it is a core part of their job and not just something they do off the side of their desk most technical leaders um especially when they're first promoted into what i would call a functional team lead role they still get focused on actually nurturing your people and understanding them and helping them create their career is the core part of your job is not something you do as well as your job. So that's something. Um, being able to have difficult conversations, um, both from a underperforming point of view, but also from a feedback point of view. Um, most technical people that I coach and develop still say being able to have difficult conversations and give constructive feedback is one of the hardest things that they've got to do. So any kind of development you can do on on that, I would say you can't invest enough in, in that space. Because actually, if you think about it, if your technical leads can give constructive feedback to people, you're learning and developing everybody. And, and we see in that in we see in our industry that it it's not it's just not done well at all. Um probably listening then is the other thing. So across the board, I see quite a big difference in our ability to actually listen. And if you watch people, most of the cases, they're just listening, waiting to speak rather than listening to actually understand what's being said. And if you can take a step back a bit, improve your listening skills, actually understand what's going on and then being able to constructively give feedback and communication, you're on a winner. As far as I'm concerned, if you can do them two things, you're halfway there. And one of the things that business innovation teams often say to me is it's all IT's fault, <laughs> IT is too slow. 
Um, which reminds me of one of the things that I've heard you say before, which is positive conflict is an important part of innovating. Yeah. So talk me through positive conflict. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do positive conflict first, and then I'm definitely coming back to the IT being slow <laughs> comment. So positive conflict for me. <laughs> Positive conflict is the ability to be able to have a robust conversation where you're listening to the other person's point of view, even when it's different than yours. So as a manager, as a team lead, as a head of IT, as a CTO, as an innovation, whatever your role, you've got to be able to have people around you that are going to have a different opinion to you and that feel safe enough and 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 feel like they can be trusted to be able to share that idea, that idea of positive conflict that says, okay, I'm going to call you out on this a bit because I don't I don't agree with you and I want to explain why I disagree with you. And and we don't do that. And the reason we don't do that is because um, it tends to be um, a hippo effect. So the highest paid person's opinion counts more. Um, people don't feel uh, safe um because oh oh, there's no way I'm disagreeing with my boss you know I'm I'm never going to get that promotion I'm never going to get that appraisal score if if I just keep calling him out on the bs that he's talking in this meeting um people feel like um they've got to trust you they've got to trust that actually you want to listen that you want to understand you want to get to a better solution and let's be honest most techies believe they're right and so they don't like being um been going well I think you're wrong but it's only by having that ability to share our voice share our opinion and challenge each other in a positive way that actually we get to a better result how many innovation programs have you been on that have failed and then somebody at the end has turned around and said well yeah I knew it wasn't going to work all along but I didn't say anything or yeah I knew that was a problem but I didn't say anything because I didn't want to put my head above the parapet and And the problem is, is if we don't put our head above the parapet, if we don't believe that we have a voice, if we don't believe that our voice counts, um, we never get to the the best solution. And so and so for me, within my within my teams and the people that report directly to me, you know, when you start working with me right from the get go, I'm like, I'm expecting you to disagree with me. I'm expecting you to challenge me. I'm expecting you to share your opinion. And we're going to have a problem if you don't. And and I actively encourage it. Now, some days it's really freaking hard. Like, let's be honest. It's really hard. Like, sometimes I just want to sit there and go, yes, I'm, I just want you to do what I'm asking you to do. Um, and you've got to be confident enough in your own ability to be able to go, yeah, actually, your idea is better. And, oh, yeah, it's wrong. Now, with more information, I understand I might have made an assumption. And that comes from having to have that confidence and strength in in yourself as an individual and what you bring to the party but yeah but back to IT being slow (laughs) oh yeah tell me about IT being slow so what happens because I don't think they ever are slow you know what in some cases they are like some cases some teams they're slow and they, they can be slow for quite valid reasons um they can be slow because actually it's more complicated than you think. In most technical stacks, people see, oh, I just want to take these buttons on the website. But actually, there's three, four, five, six, seven, eight layers of code you've got to get through to change from the front end to the back end. So things are sometimes more complicated. But also things are sometimes, 
the things that people don't realize like the non-functional requirements of change okay we've still got to make it speedy we've got to back it up we've got to make sure it works with this failure that failure the other failure and and what we fail to do is as technologists is is kind of explain that complexity in a way that um a business colleague can understand and so that translation there and making sure we understand why things take long and also some teams over-engineer because we love it we over-engineer and we goal play and making making sure both parties understand if this is a quick and dirty we're just trying to trial something versus this has to be robust and transactionally safe and sometimes IT teams are, are devin with this in mind and the business are kind of wanting something a bit more quick and dirty, tactical. So, yeah, it's a hard thing, but I hear it every day. Yeah, and often it isn't true when you dig deeper, but it's it's a communication yeah. issue, I think is what we're saying, Yeah, on different levels of requirements. <laughs> the other thing I see that I wonder... Um, whether you see this in the same way is sometimes business sets off with the best of intentions they have their quick and dirty solution um, and the tech investments that are needed to make stuff robust kind of never really come through or the legacy system that needs to be replaced never has a budget to retire it so there's also a kind of investment gap that doesn't match the strategy mm-hmm. but business thinking has kind of moved ahead without actually everything underpinning it catching up. I think is that fair? Uh, I, I think it's more than fair. I think it's actually the norm. I think it's actually what ha- what happens in the norm because the investment in the tech um, is quite hard to it's quite hard to explain to to most business cases. Like, well, you can get away with it quick and dirty, and it's going to cost you two pound fifty. But if you do it properly, it's going to cost you a million pound. Like that, I think that's some of the some of the challenge. I think some of the challenge as well is when you think about it at a project level, it's really hard for an individual product or innovation to be able to get the budget to fix what are systemic issues across. So where we're budgeting at a project level and we haven't got the investment at a hygiene level, the project hasn't got, got the money to fix everything and yet no project is ever doing it so you're getting this snowball effect I think in an organization you've got to be really careful about how much you are continually investing in your your overall to hygiene because it's like treacle eventually it will just stop all innovation because it just locks tight and and you you can't you, you can't get anything done because you I always think of it as do you remember them squares you used to get as a kid with the puzzles you had to move the squares around in if you don't invest in your IT hygiene, you're, you're just putting another block in, so you've got no space to, to to move the bits. So when you're looking at innovation, and especially innovation across the piece, is, is thinking about what what part of the technical debt am I able to fix? And if every project just took a little bit of the technical debt, then I think it would be, I think it would be better. I hate big transformation programs. I think they're fraught with issues, they're fraught with complexity and difficulties. But if we can continually improve and fix as we go, it's a much better um, way of dealing with hygiene and technical debt issues, but quite hard. Yes, and requires a bit of a longer term view 
and you know some of these programs are short-term programs when actually they have longer-term implications yeah but also understanding understanding your trade-offs that you're doing so if you want to get something time to market really quickly and you're building it tactically you've got to be able to say and when it gets to this level we are going to rebuild it or when it goes past this level of time because we've gathered the data we need we are going to decommission it you know, I, I always think of it a bit like space. We send up so many satellites, eventually there's going to be no space because we're not fixing our rubbish. You know, technical innovation can be the same. We, we'll end up locking ourselves out because there's loads of complexity strewn across the environment that we just didn't clean up after ourselves afterwards. And what do you think business leaders can do to be better customers of it as a function or oh, spend more time there you go without a doubt spend more time with the technologists really try to understand their challenges and what they do um, and it's always the thing i say to anyone in tech i work with is the biggest thing you can do for your career is spend more time with business people and understand their challenges and i say the same the other way around understand how your products work understand the what's a quick and easy change to make and what's a really complicated one because it will allow you to make better informed decisions um collaboration is is the other thing um just making sure that you're understanding each other's um opportunities each other's challenges each other's priorities each other's frustrations because there are loads of instances that i see where actually a really small change here would make a massive difference here and vice versa and we only know that through collaboration and communication so I would say definitely more time I would say um, getting the tech people to understand products so taking the tech team out on things like meeting clients and stuff like that again really really valuable um, activity to do don't allow your SMEs just to be SMEs as well, get them involved in other stuff, you know, get that knowledge out and shared and, and, and in the ether, the more we can remove single points of failure and the more we can understand and share our, our knowledge and information, the better chances are we that we have that innovation is going to work. But also be fair to them, understand that they have lots of other stuff that they're doing as well. So make their lives a little bit easier. The more, the more detail you can be as a business person, the more IT love you. That, that's it. We are detail freaks. So, yeah. And that's the real art of communication between the big picture yeah. and the detail as well. Yeah, absolutely. So normally everyone that comes on this show, I ask them what's one thing they learned the hard way that, that they wish someone had told them. Mm -hmm. But I also know that you've asked this question or a similar question yeah. of quite a number of tech leaders. Yeah. So why don't you tell me what are the sorts of things tech leaders tell you and then give us your own personal one. OK, so um, I asked this question actually for uh, research for the book I'm writing. Um, and I love this question. Um, the majority of it, um, the answers I get, they're quite similar is actually understanding understanding the business so they understand the context and so making technical decisions um, is much easier when you understand what you're trying to achieve that's probably a big theme that comes out for technical technical leaders um, 
the other one is understanding the complexity of people um and when they take on their first leadership role most technical leaders feel like they they had to learn the hard way how to manage people because in most cases there's not the the level of support that that comes in um for me personally um what is the lesson i've had to learn the hard way that it's okay to be a bit marmitey um we're not meant to be liked by everybody um you know you're entitled to have an opinion uh, you're entitled to share that you know you're entitled to your own authentic voice and it's taken me a long time to go you know what it's okay if some people don't like me that's fine and because some people will love me and feeling comfortable in that has took a long time for me to learn as an individual so yeah that was that was the hard probably that's the hard one um what else would I add to that I would I would say that sometimes learning to not share everything all of my opinions might be something I continually to learn the hard way um, I'm quite straight talking I'm quite opinionated um, and I like straight talking opinionated people I'm really passionate about what I do and that comes out in everything I, I do um, but sometimes um, I can be a bit too uh, too straight talking and full on and, and maybe I can temper that back a little bit Would probably the other thing I continue to learn the hard way <laughs> <laughs> I think the Marmite thing is interesting, though, because I think there's also some of that is perception rather than reality yeah. in that people are afraid to be bold, afraid yeah. to stand out. But actually, it it doesn't get the, the negative reaction no. that people think it might. It does. It's, a, it's OK to be different. It's OK to, you know, to to view and to be who who you are as an individual as an individual but that that's really hard in a corporate setting and it's really hard in tech um and so and so having that level of confidence of just going I'm you know I'm just going to do me and not worrying too much about you know as long as you're not offensive as long as you haven't hurt anybody as long as you know I think just you don't have to worry about everybody liking you it's okay for some people not to and talk to me a little bit about women in tech um as someone that's had a lifelong career um clearly still outnumbered yeah. in the industry yes yeah, so does that make you feel like you're standing out when you shouldn't be standing out? It should be normal. So it's really interesting. So, um, so yeah, so people will use terms for me that I find quite interesting. So they will use the word role model. And I'm like, no, I'm actually just normal. And I don't want to be a role model because I think it should be normal. Um, Women in tech is, is is a massive passion of mine. I've spent my whole career in tech. It is the industry that has given me so much and I am massively passionate about giving back to it. And yet some of the numbers that I see are so disappointing. The number of women joining tech um, and studying STEM subjects is still massively low. Um, the number of women leaving tech um careers is growing 
if you were a woman in tech in in the pandemic, you were twice as likely to be furloughed as if you were a man. That's a crazy number. Only 5% of leaders in technology are women. So some of these are really bizarre. And our industry is hard. You know, we do a lot of out of hours. There's lots of demands. Um, and actually women are still societally the biggest caregivers and the biggest home builders. And, and, and so sometimes the role and the job and your life, they don't, they don't balance as well. And that's why I'm massively keen on increasing them numbers, but also making it that um, it's not so abnormal to have a woman CTO, a woman CIO, a woman head of development, a woman enterprise architect as it, as it currently is today. And that's a win-win. It's a win for the individual, but within the organisation, that diversity of thought is is vital for our industry that that diversity of the way we think about things and things like putting the customer first and and empathetic team building and and, and all of the things that women are, like naturally are actually you know much better at than than some of our male counterparts and and that's not me being a sexist that's just that that's just a scientific fact um and so, so now I spend an awful lot of my time and I'm, I'm really excited about the group programme that we're just launching in January called Thrive, which is a women in, um, women in technology, particularly in the not-for-profit sector leadership programme. So it's an Institute of Leadership Management um, accredited course, which is, which is awesome. And it's over eight months and it's a full mentoring, coaching and training and development um, plan for for leaders within our within our industry so i'm uber excited about it so if it's something you're interested in come find me on linkedin i'm all over the place um and um have a look at some crazy videos we've done over it and i guess the other thing i was going to ask you is given that 95 percent of ctos at the moment are men what should they be doing to encourage the women up the ranks in their team oh that's a really good question so uh first question first thing i would say is if you haven't got any women in your team at all or very few make sure you're looking at how you're advertising roles and making sure that they're you're you're not unconsciously biased with within them and how they read them there's some great software and tools out there to, to look at that so making sure you're actually even getting women applying into your team is is probably a big bit once they're in there, actually looking at how do you give them a development plan that works? How do you give them um, flexibility and opportunity? Now, I don't want anybody to be in a situation of what I would call positive discrimination. You know, I, I want and would always advocate you give a role and a job to the right person for the role rather than whatever um, diversity numbers that you're trying to hit. But I think looking at how do you structure roles that actually make it doable and achievable um, for for a woman that might be flexible working. It might be inclusion about at what times of day you do just things like meetings or social activities and things like that, especially if they're caregivers for either children or the elderly. You know, being conscious about it and having the conversations. Have a conversation with all of your people but but even but specifically some of the women in your team and go 
what do you want from your career? How do we help you? How do we support you? How do we give you a voice? Um, and then I would say massively encourage them to network. Um, normally what you find as a woman in tech, and especially as, as, as you come up into team leads and, and leadership role, you don't have another woman in your team to actually talk to um, or to have a role model with. So being able to network outside of your organization and, and become part of them and, and share your experiences, challenges, how other people overcame them. So I think encouraging that voice is, is quite important as well. And for every single technologist, regardless of what sexuality, denomination, you know, geographical location, religion, um, development, invest in their development, every single techie I've ever worked with in my entire life and that's hundreds the best thing you can do for them is give them development time and give them development budget and spend and allow them to to invest in that it will pay you back tenfold yeah and I've always said to my teams you know you're not just here to do this role you're here to have a career in this organization and so developing is it's part of your job it's also part of the leader's job to help them yeah. do that. And I think to build on your networking comment, it's this thing around actually a leader can share their network with their team. That's a hugely powerful thing to do to help their career. Yeah. Is I know someone that might be interesting for you to meet. Yeah, absolutely. And take them along to things as well. Take them along to meetings. Take them along to conferences, to events, to meeting clients, to you know, give them that exposure of actually what it's what it's like. We, you know, we tend to lock our our technical teams in the in the basement, um, and we've got to get <laughs> we've got to get them up and out and into the organisation. I still hear a lot of the words that says IT and the business. You no, know, IT is part of the business. We don't, you know, we don't refer to other areas in the in the same derogatory way. And I think. IT are really bad at that because we just say the business um, and we've got to break down some of them some of them silos. IT is part of the business and the business is part of IT. And the business wouldn't be able to deliver without yeah. IT. So it's not a it's not an irrelevance. Yeah. It's a crucial yeah. bit. Yeah, the amount of people go, well, I'm not technical. And they're like, no, no, you, no, you really are. And you have to be because that's the, that's the way of the world now. And I think if we can break down some of them, some of them silos and share that understanding and get that common language, it's quite important. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Liz, for our wide-ranging <laughs> conversation. And remind us again about your... Women Tech Leaders Program for not-for-profit. Yeah. So so where should people go? Uh, so you can um, email to thrive at charityitleaders.org.uk. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can use the hashtag Thrive Leadership Program on LinkedIn and that will find you um, all the details as well. So it is a development and coaching program for women in technology within the non-for-profit sector. It's an eight-month program that's a massive immersive program geared around how we create 
amazing tech leaders that have an impact within our industry. Amazing. Thank oh. you so much for joining us. Thank today. you so much for having me, Helen. It's been amazing. Thanks for listening to the Innovation Crowd. Subscribe on your favourite podcasting service so you don't miss a thing. And I'll see you next time.